Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, Ephesians chapter 2 says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. And there is no clearer example of this than what you just saw here a few moments ago, the baptism of an infant. Before you can understand the immensity of God's grace, you first have to consider your own sinful depravity. Psalm 50 says that we were conceived in sin and brought forth in iniquity. And this applies to everyone. And so that means that although uh, my son Anderson is really, really cute, (laughs) he is not innocent or pure. He is not holy or righteous. He's a son of man and the son of sinful mortals. He was a sinner deserving of death and condemnation like the rest of this world. He was born captive to the devil. He was born an enemy of God. And so Anderson, this means that had we left you on your own if we we chose to not bring you to the waters of holy baptism, then you would have stayed this way and been left this way forever. You'd have no place in heaven. You'd be utterly alone and completely lost. And this wouldn't have been cruel or unfair, but just and right, because you have my sin and my guilt coursing through your veins. When we brought you to church today, you were in the lowest place. But today, Anderson, God has had mercy upon you. Today, he chose to lift you up, to exalt you, to move you higher, and to give you a seat in his kingdom. You are baptized, and you always will be. And this isn't just a sign or a show or some sentimental ritual or event. 1 Peter 3 clearly says, God says these words, Baptism now saves you. Not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Anderson, you needed this baptism. And God gave it. God looked down upon you with love and washed away all of your sins. Today he opened the floodgates of heaven and poured down the water of eternal life upon you. Today he showed you what he decided to do for you before he created this world. He made a choice today to dedicate himself to you, Anderson, to devote his life to you, a poor, miserable, helpless, sinful mortal. God made a decision to forgive you all of your sins, not just the ones you were born with, but every single one you will commit in this short life. Today, God turned you a little son of man into a son of God. God has done this not only for Anderson, but he has done it for all of you who are baptized into his saving name. And he has done this all without any merit or worthiness in you whatsoever. You saw it clearly here today. God saved the littlest, the lowliest, the most helpless one among us, not by works, but by grace alone. 
The gospel lesson for today is especially fitting for a baptism because it teaches us this one thing, that you cannot earn yourself a place in heaven. Good works do not cause and they don't even contribute to your salvation, even in the slightest way. And this is the warning that Jesus gives from today's gospel lesson. He says, it's as if he's saying, look, be careful of thinking that you can maneuver your way up to God or get closer to him by what you do and don't do. In fact, if you have this attitude, if you think you can secure a place in heaven by what you do, then he will cast you away. That is what Jesus says. That's what he means when he says those who exalt themselves will be humbled. So Jesus teaches this, this truth that you cannot use your works to get yourself into heaven. He teaches this truth through a parable or a story. And so this is it. So imagine that a young couple just got married and they're now headed to the wedding hall for the reception. And imagine you see all of the friends and the family gathering together, waiting, excited to see the bride and the groom come in. And you look around and you see all of this labor that was put into this, all the preparation, all the hard-earned money put into this, and all of the decorations, all the ornaments, all of that stuff to make it look beautiful for one person, for the bride. And then in the midst of hundreds of seats and tables, you see a special table, a seat set apart for the bride and the groom. It's right in the center, higher than the rest, apart from everybody else. Okay. Now imagine that all of a sudden you see some middle-aged balding man in a wrinkled suit walk up and put his coat on the bride's chair. And then he sits down in her seat and he starts eating from her plate. What do you think would happen? This is absurd. This would never happen. It's not going to happen. But if it were to happen, I can guarantee you that the father of the bride, the groom himself, and about every other guy in there is going to pick that guy up, drag him out, and take him out from the back door, right? This is just an unmatched arrogance. It's a ridiculous pomposity, isn't it? And yet, this is the exact image that Jesus gives of a person who thinks that he is good and honorable in God's sight because of his works. In other words, this is what it looks like when somebody thinks they can earn and deserve a place in heaven because of what they do. The Bible clearly says in the most unmistakable language that we are saved by grace through faith alone and not by works. There's salvation in no other name. There's only one redeemer and it comes through Christ and his wounds. And yet you also know that if you walk out to the street right now or ask friends and family, if you ask them, will you go to heaven? You know that almost universally they're going to say, yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. And then that, that's because everybody thinks they are. And then you ask them why. And you say, okay, well, well, why do you think so? And they will say, because I've been a pretty good person. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I haven't murdered anyone. So I'm better than a lot of people. Nobody's perfect, but I've tried my best, my hardest, and that's what matters. So do you see what's going on? The right answer to that question is of will you go to heaven is yes, I'm going to heaven because what Jesus did on the cross for me, that is the answer. However, what most people do is they substitute themselves 
for Christ. They substitute their own works for his works. And they put themselves in that place. And they think they give the glory, the credit, and the praise of getting to heaven to themselves and not to Christ. So you see how ridiculous this is. Just a few seconds ago, we all agreed that no one would ever seriously think to sit in the bride's seat at a wedding. And yet, nearly everyone thinks that they can just stroll right up and have a place in heaven. Like they deserved it or they earned it. Like they worked for it. They think they're entitled to a seat in heaven. The highest place of honor. And so you see that people take a chair at a wedding more seriously than they take God and his word and eternal life. By the way, Martin and Anderson, you're never allowed to say that you think you're going to heaven because you're a good person, ever. You're not allowed to say it in my house, and I'm preemptively grounding you uh, if you say that. Uh, And no one should speak that way here in church. Don't let your kids speak this way. All right. Now, I'm going to say something that sounds a little bit off here, something that might sound, in fact, wrong at first, but bear with me. Here it is. There is a great danger in doing good works. There is a danger to your soul in being a good person. We think the opposite is true. We think the real danger is sin or being a bad person. And this is true. Sin is bad. It is evil. It is destructive. It is contrary to God. It, it opposes God. But, and we need to repent and change our ways and flee from sin as much as we can. But the point that I'm making is this. Sin is bad, but there is an even greater danger in doing good works. How? How so? Why? It's because we're so tempted to rely upon them, to think that they will actually contribute to salvation. See, look, uh, no one is ever tempted to say, look, I think I'm going to heaven because I'm guilty of tax evasion, right? Nobody, nobody thinks this way. Nobody says, I- I'm going to go to heaven because I neglect and abuse my children, right? No one's ever tempted to say that their sins will get them into heaven, right? But so many are tempted to say that their good works will get them into heaven. (laughs) People don't substitute their sins for the glory of Jesus, but you do hear them substitute their own good works for the glory of Jesus. And that's the problem. It's not that good works are bad. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that just give in to sin and keep living as you were. I'm saying do good works and avoid sin. However, when you do those good things, when you're generous and kind and loving and selfless and when you feed people and clothe people, you need to remember that you face a great danger and constant temptation of relying upon them, of thinking that you have earned a place higher in the kingdom of God, that you moved closer to heaven because of your works. Your good works don't get you into heaven. Jesus does. What Jesus did on the cross is the only thing you need. You need his forgiveness, and that's what he gives you. This is what he said in his word. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eleven six 6 says, If it is by grace that you're saved, it is no longer on the basis of works. 
Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Galatians 2.16 says that we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And again, in verse 21, it says, For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You are saved by grace and not by works. You cannot get closer to him. You cannot secure a place in heaven by what you do or don't do. When Jesus died on the cross, that is when he secured a place in heaven for you. Uh, Now, I want to preach a few words again to Anderson about his baptism. Uh, Yes, I know he can't understand me. (laughs) Uh, He can't understand what I'm saying right now. But years down the line, he will. And this goes for Martin, too. What I want to say is this. Anderson, your mother and I will raise you to be a good person. We'll raise you to be nice and loving and kind and generous to not curse, to never skip church, to sing hymns at the top of your lungs, whether you're in key or not, uh, to memorize the catechism, to keep yourself chaste and pure, and to not be ashamed of Christ. And we'll teach you how to be a man, how to find a wife, how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to have many, many children. And we'll teach you all that we can in this brief life that we have together. And there's a lot that we will teach you, and there's a lot we won't be able to teach you. But one thing we will not fail to teach you is this, that Anderson, right now, you can do nothing. You've only taken your mother from sleep. You've made us both tired and more busy and made our budget even tighter. You can barely open your eyes, barely lift your head or move your hands and feed your 14 days old. And you can't do anything for me, for your mom, for your brother or anybody else. You can't do anything good. And yet, I will remind you of this as long as I have life in me. I want you to remember this every day for the rest of your life, that right now you are completely helpless and can do absolutely nothing about it. And this is the exact condition in which the Lord has chosen to baptize you, to save you, to wash away your sins and call you his own. Before you could do anything, the Lord did everything for you. He gave you a place in heaven when you couldn't do a thing so that you would learn, Anderson, that going to heaven doesn't depend upon a thing you could ever do. God has chosen to save you when you were incapable of doing good so that you would learn that he saved you by grace. And the reason I will remind you of this and the reason I will remind everyone about their baptism is because of this. When the day comes that you sin greatly, when you stray too far, when you do something you cannot undo, when the moment comes again in this life when you are helpless and hopeless and feel ashamed and when you can't do anything to help your situation or your condition, when you're at the end of your life and you cannot move again, you can barely open your eyes and move your hands and legs or make up for any of the days that you've lived, when you cannot do a thing You don't have to worry or be anxious or afraid. You don't have to lose hope because this is the exact way the Lord found you here today. 
And this is the way he saved you in the first place. And he has done it now when you are helpless and incapable of doing good so that it would serve as a constant reminder that you're saved by grace alone. He will never fail to save you, never fail to forgive you, never fail to cover your sins with his blood. And as this is true for Anderson, so it is true for all of you who have been baptized into Christ. Dear saints, you have a God who loves you, who adores you, who has done absolutely everything necessary for you to live forever. Not one good work can earn your place with him or make you good with God or draw you closer to him. You cannot draw near to him, but God drew near to you when he took on flesh and went to the cross and drained his body of every ounce of life and blood of his veins. That is when God drew near to you. On the cross, he sat in the lowest place with sinners so that the lowliest would be exalted with him in heaven. So no matter how great your sins are, how much you've failed to do, no matter how many good and wonderful things you have done, turn away from all of them, the good and the bad, and look to Jesus Christ alone. Those of you who have been brought low and humbled in repentance, the Lord calls you up to move higher today, to come to his table and sit in a place of the highest honor to eat his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone who did for all the world atone. He is our one redeemer. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.